This podcast is supported by an educational grant from Insight Biosciences Canada, available through the CDA Corporate Supporter Program. What I was hoping with this article to increase awareness, because before I did the survey of the gaps, I knew what happens in Ontario. I didn't realize that there are provinces that have no pediatric dermatologists, period. That's uh, Dr. Elena Pope, the Division Head of Pediatric Dermatology, Toronto Sick Kids Hospital, and a professor of pediatrics at the University of Toronto Medical School. She's also chair of the Pediatric Dermatology Research Alliance, and she's our guest on this episode of JCMS Author Interviews. I'm your host, Kirk Barber, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery, and I'm a Clinical Professor of Medicine at the University of Calgary. Today, I'm thrilled to have Dr. Pope on the podcast to discuss the article she co-authored in our November-December issue of the Journal of Cutaneous Medicine and Surgery. The article is entitled, Pediatric Dermatology in Canada, a broad review of population needs, workforce, and training with proposed solutions. A reminder, this article is available for free outside the paywall for at least the next uh, three weeks. Well, uh, welcome, Elena. Thank you uh, for joining me. It's, it's great to talk to a, a proper pediatric dermatologist. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome. So listen, um, I'm struck by the, the, a couple of things in your article. Um, and I'll quote, in the past 10 years, only seven dermatology trained individuals pursued fellowship training in pediatric dermatology. And only five of those people are still in Canada. If we have a crisis in healthcare, this is it. Yes, I agree with you. <laughs> no, I appreciated your article. I mean, so many um, new families coming to Canada. The newcomers are coming. We, we're, we're, our immigration is for young families. We want families that um, to bring young children. And so, as your article points out, you know, twenty percent of the population is pediatric. I think that's going to increase dramatically over time. So, how do we fix this? What do we do? It's a very complex issue, and uh, I think I was uh, as as I approaching kind of the kind of middle and end of my career. I'm really um, focused on kind of creating capacity. I, I find that this is one of my legacy beyond of helping my young colleagues is really to create capacity in Canada because I think we are in a crisis situation when it comes to pediatric dermatology. Um, and the reasons are, you elicit some of them, you know, the pediatric population is increasing. We have a very um, active immigration policy that brings a lot of young families to Canada. But also the practice of pediatric dermatology has become very complex. Um, we are dealing with um, newer uh, medications uh, that were not available to us. Uh, more and more, Health Canada demands uh, testing for a newer uh, medications such as biologics. So no product is going to be approved to be used in pediatric population unless you've done proper pediatric trials, which should be the, the way to go. Um, also, there is a lot of newer information in terms of um, underpinning uh, molecular underpinnings of the diseases. So things that before had no um, that you know no understanding about why they happen. You know nowadays we can do genetic testing and we can understand not only why things are happening but how we can target it. Um, so, for example, the great um, 
probably one of the biggest uh, changes in the last five years is discovering the molecular changes uh, that are uh, behind uh, vascular anomalies. So things that we had no medical treatment before, now we can actually target with medications that particularly um, block those pathways that lead to abnormal uh, vascular development. And this is just one example. Um, so in addition to that, I think is the, the fact that it's not that the current training is not enough to provide um, either pediatricians or dermatologists enough uh, knowledge and expertise in dealing with some of those more complex issues. Um, so I think both residencies are, have their own strengths in terms of building, you know, the the right set of skills and uh, and knowledge. Uh, but in order to uh, practice as a pediatric dermatologist, especially in an academic center, you actually need to marry those uh, or to combine those set of skills. Yeah. The majority of pediatric care, though, is in the community. I mean, we, and, and, and I'm going to argue that we don't have a crisis in pediatric dermatology. We have a crisis in healthcare with regard to the treatment of children with diseases of the skin. When we use in your article, you also make a point of thirty percent of of visits to family practitioners are pediatric and skin disease related. I mean, those are huge numbers. So, okay. how do we train? How do we train the populace, the family doctors? And I would argue, from what your article goes through, it says that you know the, the training in pediatric dermatology for dermatologists is pretty weak across the country, um, and and the interest. Is not there either in the in the PDI in the dermatology residence. So, um, one of my thoughts was maybe we should make pediatric dermatology this the base specialty. Maybe we should make dermatology a division of pediatrics, not of medicine. And then, because if you can treat something in kid, you can treat it in the adult. I think I would agree with you, but. Just to go back to your initial comment, I, I agree with you that we have a you know health crisis, and um, one of the problems is it, you know as you know in medical school people get a week of dermatology if they're lucky. Um, as a result, I think um, we're not we're not creating interest amongst you know um, students to pursue pediatric dermatology or, you know, dermatology in general, I think there is a handful of people who may be interested. Um, but also, it doesn't provide any basis for, um, you know, pediatricians, for example, so pediatric residents to actually have some understanding about even how to approach mm. pediatric skin disorders. And as I alluded in my article, I actually did a survey amongst the pediatric chairs across Canada and very few, I think only six out of nine had a pediatric dermatologist uh, that they could rely on. So who's training all of these people? So yes. we cannot train them in medical school. We can train them in residency. That's why we have a crisis. Um, so I think is this is just, you know, perpetuated. To the last comment that you made, you know, maybe we should make pediatric dermatology rather than dermatology. I mean, I think there is definitely, uh, and you can obviously know more about the adult care. Um, what I actually argue in my article, and I think actually we see some some evidence of that in in the U.S., 
is to have a separate entry for pediatric dermatology, like a residency direct entry that will tailor the foundational skills to pediatrics. So they have the right ways of assessing uh, complex um, patients. You know, they have this, you know, soft skill development, if you want, where you know how to interact with children of various ages. You know how to uh, navigate family dynamics, which are very critical, you know, um, in pediatrics. And and then you build on the uh, subsequent years the dermatology foundation. So the understanding the pathophysiology of uh, skin disorders, you know, uh, procedural skills and so on. So I think to me, this is probably the best way to go forward. Um, and uh, I, I alluded in my article that actually that's what they're doing in Philadelphia for the first time in 2023. They actually created that, this pathway, residency pathway for pediatric dermatology. It makes great sense. It makes yeah. absolutely great. When I mean, we've got pediatric cardiologists, we've got pediatric endocrinologists, exactly. we've got pediatric, every other subspecialty. Right. So I'm, I'm of the opinion that we should be chasing the Royal College, not at the dermatology level, because I don't think it's going to go anywhere there, but at the pediatric level. Yeah. And I, I don't know how to do that, but I mean, and, but your article clearly, your article clearly is a, a shot across the bow, if you will. And I, I think we should send it about to the training programs at the pediatric level. Because you're not going to change the dermatologist, I don't think. I mean, just based on, you know, Botox and fillers and all the other things that happen in dermatology these days, the the reluctance of, of dermatology residents to be have any interest in pediatric dermatology, you know, perhaps is not surprising. But and that's why I think we should we have to switch the focus in order to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And you and I th- I think it's it's only those of us later in our careers where we can step back and say, okay, we did it this way. We saw it develop that way. This wasn't good. We need to change this. We are, we are you know, in the winter of our, our career, we don't have much to lose, right? And, okay. we, can, and we can have a voice, I, I think. But... Yes, and that's what I've been trying to do because um, I think the difficulty is, as you said, you know, to change um, the perspective of the larger dermatology community, um, I think in some ways they recognize that uh, either they don't have the knowledge, the interest, or you know a, combina- a combination of the two to look after pediatric patients, especially the complex one. Um, and on the other hand, we we have no mechanism in Canada to to train the next generation. And I think I alluded in my article uh, what I'm worried about: what's going to happen? You know, like I think. You know, a significant proportion of people who are practicing pediatric dermatology in Canada right now are close to retirement. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's I think you said creating, a third. A third yeah, over 50 so that or creates a huge uh, gap. Um, so we don't have dermatology residents who are interested in doing a fellowship. Um, the existing people are probably going to phase out soon. And you know, I think we we really gonna end up with a significant uh, gap in the near future. We have had a very active fellowship program here, but most of our trainees are actually foreign trainees because there is no interest in Canada. Yeah, well, America is leading the way in disinterest. When, from your article, you say there's 36 positions, 
Only 24 got filled, I think, is what you said. And yes. um, so we see the first the inkling of somebody with a with a, with common sense in Philadelphia. Okay. It, it, it really does sound like that. They're leading. So if we can use that, if that's successful, then, then I, I think it'll be an easier go at the pediatric department um, at the Royal College level. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how to negotiate because every time, for example, we try to accredit our fellowship um, and uh, the block was uh, the fact that the dermatology um, subsection of the Royal College and the Canadian Dermatology Association was not supportive of an accredited fellowship for non-dermatologists. So I think it's you know, I think at the Royal College, you know, unless we have buy-in from both pediatrics and dermatologists, uh, this is not going to go forward. Well, you just, you know, you've, you've got a good thing. You just have to keep asking, <laughs> right? You don't, don't give up. Don't give up. You right. just got to keep asking and asking and asking, putting your, because this article presents the problem, presents the current um, issues that, that we're struggling with and presents solutions. And who, who can argue with this? And who can argue with you? You can't argue with your numbers. You cannot argue with your numbers. In this day and age when when um, our percentage of populations that's considered pediatric is increasing, there's no one to, there's no one to treat them. Really. I mean, my daughter is a family practitioner, and I'm busy teaching her dermatology patient by patient by patient by patient because she 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 didn't get any really great treatment, and she 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 looked for it. Um, and it was just not there for her to get. So uh-huh. keep going, <clears throat> keep going because it, it's, it's, it's going to be essential. So now of the, of the, you know, you, you propose four solutions really. Yes. And it, it looks like you've tried each of them and they've failed. Is there a good solution or is Philadelphia is the best solution? Is that, is that, is that, is that the, the way we should go? If I have it my way, yes, I think that's probably the right solution because I think we're we're recruiting the people who want to do this from the beginning, yes. um, and um, there is going to be enough mentorship and modeling, and that you know will will allow them to be successful in in that career. Um, I think I alluded in my article that uh, again based on some of discussion that I had with my dermatology colleagues, we convinced them to have uh, maybe a semi-pediatric stream within the existing current of uh, yeah. dermatology um, uh, CARMS application. Um, and we actually have currently one of our um, residents is on that particular stream. And I've heard that they actually are, they're going to give up on it. Uh, they felt that there is it was kind of difficult to arrange, you know, in terms of administrative processes, uh, you know, and uh, there was some interest. Anything that's worthwhile is difficult. <laughs> yes. Um, but, you know, I'm wondering. So I actually had an issue with this. I said, this is good. I'm getting I take anything for right now. But I, I had concerns that, first of all, they're not they're competing on the same spots. So what I actually advocated is have a separate stream, you know, separate positions. So those people are actually competing for those, you know, even if it's a few across the country, still better than, you know, kind of competing with a larger group. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is, you know, I think if 
if people are motivated from the beginning that this is what they're going to choose, it's less likely they're going to say like after the third or fourth year, actually, you know, most surgery is more appealing than pediatric dermatology. I think we're, you're selecting different personalities or different interests or people who have a different interest in medicine rather than just cosmetic and, and you know, most yeah, surgery. Well, you can, you can clearly identify the most surgeon and the pediatric dermatologist. They're, 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 as you point out, they're different personalities and, and, and we should, we should promote each, right? And and well, absolutely. The Mohs Fellowship started off where you're at today with then, nothing, right? And then and then interested people put together training programs, yeah. and the Americans gave certification, and it's a very good model to for pediatric dermatology to follow because because you know there's most fellowships all over the US there's most fellowships where in Canada where people go and get their training and then they come out and they get certified as most surgeons maybe there's something to be learned from the process that they went through over and I, but it but granted it probably took them 20 years you know 10 or something but it's it's well established now i, I don't understand how they got going but it was i think it was just through brute force we just sort of, we're going to do this. We're going to get the certification. We're not going to let anybody who isn't certified call themselves a most surgeon. And and we're going to credit these fellowships. And it's just by, by, by mass sort of will that this occurred. Um, so uh, I think there's hope. Yeah, that's, uh, thank you for bringing that up because that's an interesting process. I assume that, you know, plastic surgeons didn't have a complete uh, fit when they, when well, they saw right. the surgery. Well, yes, and now we have plastic surgeons that go away to get most fellowships and come back and become most certified and practice right. only most surgery. So, right. so it's it's it can work. I mean, it's not ideal, but it's a great start. You know, and now you have the training centers training most people. Then. The dermatology sure. residents get O's exposure. Some of them get to try it. Um, now it's you know it's a different personality bent, but I'm assuming that they, <laughs> I'm assuming that the the people that go into most surgery are surgeons. We need Good. pediatricians, right, to do pediatric dermatology, and you need to have the. I agree with you. Have, you're going to have to have better support through the programs. But still, um, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not giving up on the idea that this should be pediatrics. I, I think that's where your strength is, because you could argue pediatric cardiology. Oh, absolutely, and there is a direct entry in pediatric neurology, for example. You know, and it's been very successful for for many years. Um, so yes, there is precedent out there. Is it funding that's the issue? That's another big issue. So for example, another opportunity will be for a reentry program. So let's say you have a pediatrician, pediatric residents who is interested in doing double certification, which we have a few in Canada. The problem is you don't get funding these days. Um, all the medical schools are really, uh, when it comes to funding for reentries, the funding is very limited. Um, so the advantage of having a, a direct pathway is that those people are funding for their training program, yeah. um, which eliminates that, uh, you know, that, you know, haphazard way of, you know, trying to get funding. Well, we need a couple of pedi- a couple of politicians that have young children that get sick and can't get treatment. 
And I, and I think that will, we need some trigger to get the pediatric dermatology recognition and get it. Well, not even just get recognition, get the, the treatment out there for these kids. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's not good. I, I see, I see it every day in my, my practice. It's, it's not good. It's not good. And the most surgeons who they don't want to treat the kids. And so those kids go without, without biologic, for example, when they get to a person that's sort of interested in the field, well, suddenly the cream isn't so important, you know, they, 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 just, they don't want right. to spend the time, but the average dermatologist doesn't want to spend the time, I think, whereas the average pediatrician would, I think, with the proper training, so. Can I ask you, what would it take for the dermatology community to accept um, pediatric dermatology as a, either as a subspecialty or as a direct entry? Well, I don't pretend to speak for the dermatology community, and but I do, and and and, and um, you know the question. So, I don't know the answer to the question. I know it's been a struggle, and and I think that um, I, I I think the I, I don't th- like I said earlier in the podcast. I don't think it's through dermatology that you're going to have success. I think it's through the training programs of pediatrics that you're going to have success. And I think you're, I think you're, I think the Americans, if they do it right, you'll have success. Um, I think, I think you present to, you present um, to the Royal College these numbers that you have. As an example, I tried to get just simply recognized, get reviewers recognized at the, in the, within the dermatology um, world, if you will, for the, for doing reviews for my journal and trying to make it mandatory for their training to do reviews and stuff. It was an impossible task. It was a, oh yeah, it's a great idea, but we're not going to make it mandatory. So, uh, I, and I okay, well, you know, I tried. I'm going to try again and again and again. And I think that's <laughs> where you should go with the, with the pediatric side. And, and I think it's, I think you're, I think I think once the world saturates with the cosmetics and the most surgeons, I think people will start to reflect back on the entry level to, and get candidates that are more um, they the more medically interested. And if once you get medically interested dermatologists, then you get pediatrics out of that group because it's very similar. You know, so uh, so I, I think it will come in time. It's got to. You can't not. Your your argument the arguments you propose in your article are so good. Um, I think it is just and I, I that's why I printed the I printed the article. That's why we're doing the podcast. I think this is important, and I I, I hope you don't give up your fight. Thank really, you. I hope you don't. I mean, this is great, and we need to we need to find a way to get it forward. Get it forward. Who hasn't heard it yet? That the pediatrician has the Royal College Pediatric Group heard this discussion. I I circulate this through the pediatric chairs. Yeah, well, let's you know rise above, right? I mean, <laughs> well, the, yes. I'm going to tell you the uh, Frederick Mose got a new technique, and now it's the now it's a standard of care. So, um, so yep, you're 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 a pioneer. Thank you. Wish you luck. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, okay. and it means means a lot to us that we have the support of some of the dermatology colleagues. Oh, I think you have the support of a lot of your dermatology colleagues. I, I think there's, there's a tremendous amount of support out there. It's, it's, it's they're tremendous. Amount. I mean, I mean, just for the fact that, that there's many dermatologists, and I would say probably, you know, over half for sure, don't want to treat kids for either time 
or, or, or lack of expertise. I mean, you know, as you said, um, you, you, when, you treat the, when you treat the child, you treat the family. And most of us don't have that skill set to treat the family, right? right? And so, and so I, I, I just think, I, I think you're on the right path. And I, I, and I, you know, because I don't want to go to the NICU at midnight to biopsy an infant. Not my skill set. Don't know why, don't know if I know what to do with the answer. Right. So that's why people shy away from that sort of stuff. Yeah. Understandably so. Okay. Well, listen, have you got any parting words for our audience or anything you wanted to bring up? That, uh, that we didn't that we didn't uh, come across. Um, no, I I greatly appreciate the you know the invitation. I think um, it's really what I was hoping with this article to increase awareness because I think we all very focused on our little world and we may not get the bigger picture. And to be honest, I wasn't sure, you know, before I did the survey uh, of the gaps, really. I mean, I knew what happens in Ontario. I didn't realize that there are provinces that have no pediatric dermatologists, period. And uh, so I think it's the fact that we are able to reach out in your journal, the dermatology community, um, it means a lot to us. Obviously, um, we'll continue the fight and uh, we hope to to be successful. And, you know, if people thought like I think dermatology has been as a as a specialty from the, you know, 1900s or something or. Our association will be 100 uh, okay. next year. So. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe, you know, pediatric dermatology will become a separate specialty. Uh, <laughs> Let's not wait 100 years. Maybe it's not going to take another 100 <laughs> years, possibly, because I won't be around. Yeah, okay. Well, great. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Well, that's it for this episode of the JCMS Author Interviews Podcast. I hope you enjoyed your time with us. Uh, you can see my voice is having uh, a little bit of difficulty as I've developed this dysphonia, but hopefully you're able to hear through my warblings, if you will. If you did enjoy it, please give us a rating and review where you listen. It helps more people find these interviews. Please subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with your colleagues on social media. If you're looking for more great CDA podcasts, be sure to check out Dermalogs, our residence podcast hosted by my colleague, Dr. Kerry Purdy. So thanks so much for listening. I'm Kirk Barber, and until next time, be good to each other. <laughs>